Buenos dias y noches, señores and señores, and welcome back to that sports show that talks sports. I'm, of course, your host, Mr. Andrew Valentin himself, and I hope you all are having a wonderful day. It is Thursday, September 17th. I'm bringing you a brand new podcast episode. That's right. And there's going to be a lot more that follows after this, my friends. We're going to have a pouring out party of podcasts because I got a lot of time to kill and a lot of things I got to say. So without further ado, obviously, ladies and gents, again, I hope you're having all a great day out there yourselves. Hope you're enjoying everything that there is to do while you can still do it. Hope everybody's safe and sound. And without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's just get right into it. So NFL season... Week one, it's over with already. We're into week two. Already getting to that point now where the season is rolling along. And I'm going to start off by saying something real quickly in the NFL. Week one's already through. And so I am giving everybody this this right now. Including week one, you've got three weeks, in my opinion, to use the excuse... For your team, if a player or a team in general performed bad, not up to par, you have, including this first week, the three weeks, three weeks to basically use the excuse, but we didn't have a preseason, but we didn't have a training camp. You got three weeks to use that as your excuse, okay? I'm stressing that pointer because a lot of the things I'm going to talk about in this podcast especially, is going to be NFL-based. And I promise you, not everybody's going to like what comes out of my mouth. I, I know that's a guarantee. But here we go. So, first thing off the board, obviously, is the Bears. I got to get to the Bears because I'm a Chicago guy. And they were the ones that kind of surprised me the most. They win 27-23. to 23, And I think everybody in the world can probably agree If DeAndre Swift catches that pass at the end of the game, all he's got to do is hold on to it, drop into the end zone, basically. Lions win that game. Don't tell me you're you're asking Trubisky to win that game with a Hail Mary touchdown pass. That's not happening. There's no way that's happening. But obviously, DeAndre Swift, I mean, and he was wide open, by the way. They, They ran that play. He got open fast. There was nobody covering him. By the time those guys got there, DeAndre Swift was already there. And Matthew Stafford put a bullet, shot that thing out of a cannon of an arm he has on him right into DeAndre Swift's chest. And I'm pretty sure that's probably why he dropped it. He was like, oh, man, that ball came in fast and hard. Was not prepared for that. So, I mean, it makes sense why he dropped it, but at the same time, he catches it. Game over. Bears lose that game. Off the miracle that is Matthew Stafford. But obviously, the Bears won the game. I'm I'm happy to a degree. But I know how this is going to go now. And obviously, a lot of you probably do too. Well, Mitch, man. Mitch. Mitchell Trubisky. What about him? That fourth quarter, man. <laughs> Mitch, baby. Okay, yeah, fourth quarter. He was pretty good. Yeah, if you if you want to know, uh, Mitch in the fourth quarter is where the Bears kind of opened up. They were down 20-6. to 20-6. Or 23-6 or something like that. 23-6, to I think it was, at the by the fourth quarter. Bears score 21 unanswered points in the fourth quarter for Mitch. 8 for 10. 89 yards. Three touchdowns. No picks. He was so good in that one. And he got sacked in that game too. He got sacked in that game for like a 28-yard loss. And he's still... Found a way to make it happen. It was a really good fourth quarter for Mitch Trubisky. I gotta give it to him. It was a good game. It was a good. It was a good quarter. It was a good quarter, I should say. Because I'll tell you right now, 
the first three quarters, not very impressive. Or rather, I should say first half, not very impressive. Uh, First half for Trubisky, 8 for 20, so under 50%. 110 yards, didn't do anything. Second half, 12 of 16, 132 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Got sacked, but hey, it happens. And he actually completed two passes that were 20 yards or more. And he's never really done that a lot, so that's a plus. And look, I understand that the fourth quarter was impressive. I mean, it even impressed some national guys who talk football and sports, too. They're going, you know, Mitch, that fourth quarter, that was pretty impressive. And I will fully admit, and for those who are new to this podcast, allow me to explain. On this Facebook Live show I do, I oftentimes refer to Mitch's throwing mechanics a lot because they bug me constantly, and they're a problem. And people get upset at me. They're like, dude, come on, get off the throwing mechanics already. We get it. He's bad. He's not a very good quarterback, okay? But that's part of the problem. He throws off his back foot constantly. He's never putting, he's using all arm, not using any leg into it. He never has great footwork. He's always running around. He's always trying to scramble, which is actually when he throws at his best is when he scrambles, it seems. He doesn't recognize defensive coverages. He can't pick up on blitzes when they're coming or not. He can't do pre-read snaps. This is a quarterback that has a lot of issues that should have been solved in college and even in high school. But it's more excusable in high school and college because you're, you're a student athlete. But now you're a paid professional athlete in his fourth year, mind you. You're third as a starting quarterback, and we're still seeing bad tendencies of you as a starter. But I'm supposed to be solved, excuse me, I'm supposed to be sold on Trubisky being a starting quarterback because we made him the number two pick and because we've invested a lot of time and energy into him. The coaches have, the players have, I haven't as a fan. I did for the one brief year in 2018, and I thought, you know what? There's a good chance here. But I never fully consolidated on the idea that Mitch was going to be the solution to all of our problems. Because the Bears had a lot of problems. Mitch is a fine quarterback in his own right, and the fourth quarter was incredible. But the first three quarters... Outside of the third, which he didn't do much of it, much at all, anyways, he was only four for what was it, four for six, for forty-three yards. Not he didn't do a lot in the third quarter. So on top of that, add that even to the other two quarters. For three quarters, he didn't do squat. In the fourth quarter is where he had his best moments, where he threw passes using his legs and everything, turning his body, great footwork, great pocket awareness actually understood how the defenses were playing against his offense and delivered passes on time to his wide receivers. Right? Threw one to Javon Weems, threw one to Jimmy Graham, threw a nice one to Anthony Miller. But before that, he overthrew guys, he underthrew guys, threw into double coverage. He's lucky he didn't have a couple interceptions on him. And guess what? He also lucked out, too, for the Lions' sake, that Jeff Okuda, their number three overall pick from this year's draft, was not playing. Desmond Trufant played most of the game until he got injured. And then you have have the Lions who have their backup corner, Coleman, who goes out of the game with an injury. Justin Coleman goes out of the game with an injury as well. So... Three corners that they have starting all gone now. That got to work with backups. So, of course, Trubisky had a great fourth quarter. Nobody was really covering these guys. You know, it's... I, I don't know. I feel like Bears fans out there, and I know there's a lot of Chicago fans that'll probably be like, dude, come on, you're such a hater. No, I'm not. I love the Bears. 
I just don't love Trubisky. I don't hate the kid. I just don't love him. I think he's an average, below average talent for a quarterback as a starter. As a backup, I think he's a good he's a good backup. He's a good backup quarterback. But I would not look at this kid and say, you know, when the chips are on the line and our back's against the wall, he's the guy I want the ball in his hands in the fourth quarter. Even after this performance, I don't want the ball in his hands in the fourth quarter. Mitch and the Bears have this relationship, for those who don't know. It's very, it, it seems to go like this. You found this kid, you found this guy that you really liked. And you said, well, maybe he'll work. And the first year we, we, we were working with him, we said, we were, we were trying to go, you know, well, what is he? We're trying to figure him out. And then somebody, you know, he, he gets a new profession. He's got a whole new look on life and things like that, right? And so now he's kind of been upped in his job. He's the starter. And we all kind of went, wow, this is great. And we had a 12-4 and season. We went to the playoffs. And if only Cody Parkey hadn't double-doinked it, obviously, then, yeah, we would have moved on against the Eagles and we would have went forward in the playoffs. And who knows what would have happened. But then the next year happened. And we were so riled up after what we saw the previous year. We said, man, Bears are going to be so good. And they weren't. Uh, they were not good at all, in fact. The offense did not perform. Mitch had a, I would say, pedestrian season for a quarterback in the NFL, of course. Threw for like 3,500 yards, but 17 touchdowns, 10 picks. I mean, people were like, well, Carson Wentz had that, man. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, but Carson Wentz is a far better quarterback than Mitch. He's got better arm strength. He's got bigger size. Oh, by the way, he was a starter longer than Mitch, so he has more, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, experience? Yeah, experience is what I'm looking for. So he has these bad moments, and we all see the bad tendencies. We all are going... No, you know what? It's not going to work for us. So we're ready to break up with this guy. And we're going, we're never going to see him again. We got this new guy, Nick Foles. We're going to start seeing. We're going to get in a relationship with this guy. He might not even be the long-term guy, but we're just going to see how he looks. We're going to see. We're going to go out a few times. Going to see what his what he looks like. See how he acts. You know, he could be a very good person. But game one of the season, Mitch did this one thing. This one tiny thing. That now has made everybody say, I mean, maybe he's changed. Maybe he's, maybe he's changed. Maybe we should give him one more chance. And I'm telling you, don't you do it. Don't you do it. Don't you dare do it, Bears fans. You can yell at me all you want. And I know that's a weird analogy. But listen, it is like a relationship. Bears fans and Trubisky, it's a relationship. You go with him, he's nice to you, then he breaks your heart, then you're like, I never want to do anything with him again, then he does something good, and then you want to go right back to him. And you know how this story is going to go. He's going to break your heart. He's done it so many times before. Why would he not do it again? He is still showing the tendencies to be a bad quarterback, but people are going to fall in love with him because of the fourth quarter in the game against the Lions. The Matt Patricia Lyons. Matt Patricia, by the way, showing he's, again, one of Belichick's worst ever, which, if you want to know my opinion, Belichick's not a teacher. He can't teach anybody how to be a coach. He just coaches people and lets them be coaches, and then they go off and get jobs, and he just finds somebody else to replace you. That's how Belichick works. That's how that whole thing works. If you want a teacher, go get Andy Reid. Andy Reid's a teacher. Why? Doug Peterson, Matt Nagy, they're all working. They're all winning. And Eric Bieniemy will be the next one too. But I'm telling you, don't fall for the Trubisky thing. Don't do it. I know he brought you the touchdown chocolates. I know he brought you the, 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 the yardage roses. I know he brought you the little present that was a W for the, for the week. I know he did those things for you. But do not be fooled by this. Mitch is still not the starting quarterback. The Bears' starting quarterback is somewhere else out there. 
Could be Trevor Lawrence, could be Justin Fields, could be Trey Lance, could be DJ Uyunglele, could be Sam Howell, the other kid from UNC that it's far better than Mitch ever was at UNC. Could be any of those guys. Could be none of them. Could be some kid we've never even heard of. But it's not Mitch. It's not. Mitch does not have the tendencies to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. You know it. I know it. The entire NFL knows it. But you've got two more weeks now after this week to say, if he has a bad game, to say, no preseason, no training camp. Everybody does. Everybody's got two more weeks to say that. Because by week four, your team should be ready to go, should have something stable in in the front to work with. If they don't, then you have a bad team. You have a bad team, and you're going to have to put up with whatever you're going to have to put up with. That's the fact. I hope all the best for the Bears. I really want them to get a new quarterback. I don't know how they're going to do it if they win games. That's why I'm kind of hoping. It's not tank for Trevor. It's rather lose for Lawrence. Because I think this team is still bad enough that they could probably still have a losing record. Oh, and by the way, if you're wondering about the Allen Robinson thing, let me explain that really quickly. I think it's still connected to the Trubisky thing, and this is why. What I think is about to happen is that they low-balled Allen Robinson. All my sources say Robinson and his agent were asking to be paid like a top 10 wide receiver, which arguably he's one of the top wide receivers in the NFL right now. But the Bears don't want to pay him a lot of money because the Bears have been known to be frugal with money. They don't want to pay players a lot of cash, but they'll pay superstar players like Khalil Mack a lot of money. But they don't see Allen Robinson being one of those guys, even though he's the best player on the offense. (coughs) Now, this doesn't come from any source. This is just my opinion on it. I believe the reason they're lowballing Allen Robinson, the wide receiver, is because they're probably going to pay Mitch. Or they at least want to pay Mitch. They're going to look to lowball Allen Robinson, not give him all the money. Because if Trubisky, for whatever reason, has another stellar Pro Bowl year and they go to a chance, go to the division, you know, win the division and go to the playoffs and all that stuff, they want to be able to secure Trubisky with a giant contract that'll lock him in for long term. Even if that happens, I wouldn't give Trubisky the contract. I would still say give Allen Robinson all the money. You don't win without a top receiver in the league anymore. It's a passing league. And guess what? If you stink this year, you've got Allen Robinson locked for a long-term contract. You've got Khalil Mack locked for a long-term contract. You work out the money situation. You draft a new quarterback next year, a rookie quarterback in the top 10 of the draft or whatever it is, and he's on a rookie contract, and you don't have to really worry about money now, do you? Do you? No, you really don't. That that's that's all I'm gonna say for the Allen Robinson thing. I, I just the Bears are being stupid about this. Pay the man. He's your top performer on offense. He's your top player. He's a team captain. He's a leader in the locker room. You lose him, you're gonna lose that whole team, and this whole thing's gonna have to start all over again. You're not gonna find his replacement. I like Riley Ridley, I like Javon Weems, I like Anthony Miller to a degree, but none of them are Allen Robinson. Not even close. Not even close. All right, so let's move on to the rest of the NFL. Obviously, there was a lot of things that broke down for the NFL this year that uh, I want to get into here. So I'm not going to go through every single game, but I will say a few things on the season so far I've seen from week one kind of that I enjoyed. Uh, First off, uh, I I will say for for week one, for week one, I already said my piece on the Chiefs and Texans. I've already said my piece on the Bears and the Lions and all that stuff. First off, Russell Wilson is the best quarterback right now in the NFL next to Patrick Mahomes. It's like a 1A, 1B situation, but if Russell Russell Wilson, 31 to 35, right? 322 yards, four touchdowns. I mean, he outbattled Matt Ryan to a T. To a T. With less weapons... And a not so open offense, and it now has gone to gone to Pete Carroll and said, "Hey, we got to open up this offense a little bit. 
because everybody knows he is the most restricted quarterback in the entire NFL. Russell Wilson right now, I think, is if he's not the first, he's definitely number two, and it's by a long shot. Okay? I thought Cam Newton played okay. I thought he played okay. You know, the rushing touchdowns were impressive. I, You know, 15 of 19, 155 yards. I was not expecting it to be a big passing day because, obviously, not a lot of weapons, not a lot of, you know, Cam throwing the football. But, hey, he scored two touchdowns. I'm happy for him. I still don't think this is something where you can say he's going to win comeback player of the year. I still want to put my hats on him and say, guy's going to be tranching all over the NFL and stuff. I would still be cautious about him. And also remember, it's the Dolphins. It's the Dolphins. I don't think they're going to be that good. And already they've shown they're not going to be that good. I thought Ron Rivera did a great job coaching in Washington. I thought that Washington Redskins game, excuse me, Washington, I'm going to do this a lot. Washington football team, I thought they did a great job. Collectively as a team, offensive, they, they were fantastic. Offensively, they need a lot of work. They need a lot of work, but they scored when it mattered. They played really well. They played really well, right? I mean, this is a team without, without Adrian Peterson, and they still found a way to win. It's Ron Rivera's best coaching job, I think, by far since taking over in Carolina. Absolutely. And and by the way, too, a man who has cancer got an IV and still said, uh, I'm not done here yet. I thought Matt Rule was, I thought Matt Rule was maybe the biggest, the biggest joke of the, of the week. I mean, you have a chance to win the game. You run that fullback sneak or whatever it was, and you fail to make it happen. I mean, you got the best, best running back if, not one of the best running backs in the NFL and you don't use them. Teddy Bridgewater really showed his muster, right? Roddy Anderson had Robbie Anderson had a really good day. I mean, come on. You had a chance to win the game against the Raiders, right? You were so close, so close to winning that first game, but I'll give it to the Raiders. They stood strong and Josh Jacobs is coming hard as a running back. He's coming hard. I thought Cleveland looked awful. Cleveland looks out of touch. Baker doesn't look like a star quarterback. I don't know what's going on with the OBJ thing. Now he wants to be traded or now they're going to trade him. I don't know what that situation's looking like. They looked like they were a mess. And I know it's Baltimore. I know they're really good. But even still, they looked like a mess. Uh, Lamar Jackson did not run all over the place. But he was precise. 20-25, 275 yards, three touchdowns. I mean... He, Marquise Brown, Willie Sneed, and obviously Mark Andrews, they're having a they're they look like they're gonna have another great year. I mean, I'll give it to Lamar. I still don't think he's his accuracy's all there just yet as a quarterback, but he was pretty accurate in this game. But again, it's the Browns. There wasn't a lot he had to compete against. I'm a huge LSU fan, so I did watch the Bengals uh Chargers game. Obviously. Tyrod Taylor versus Joe Burrow. Nothing really ecstatic to watch. But I will say this. I thought Joe Burrow looked like a pro quarterback. He didn't wince. He stared down. He fought back. He clawed and climbed for the Bengals to get all the way back to the chance to for them to tie it. If only they could have hit that field goal, he would have gone to overtime. I think in that point, too, the momentum was with the Bengals. They might have won their first game with Joe Burrow, the first game of the season. He didn't play fantastic. Don't get me wrong. He had some bad, messy moments. He threw a bad pick. He threw in a couple of bad balls. But overall, he was precise. He looked like a starting quarterback in the NFL. I think if Cincinnati can get this thing flowing for them, I think they're in a good position to get, get it going. I like the way Cincinnati's looking. You know, Cowboys, I I could bust on them all day. I I think anybody could. But I will say this for the Dallas Cowboys. You know, come hell or high water for that team, I still think there's something there for them to build on. But overall, 
Dak is still has Dak still has a losing record against playoff teams. And I know the Rams were in a playoff team last year. I know that. But there's still a team that a lot of people would look at and say, I mean, there's always a good chance they could get in, even in that division, which, remember, Cardinals are better. 49ers are still considered to be favorites. Seahawks are always considered to be favorites. And somehow the Rams got to fit their way in there. I'll give it to the Rams. I mean, they almost could have lost this game, but... They looked out that Malcolm Brown stepped up at running back. And the Cowboys, unfortunately, not everybody was clicking. Not everybody was clicking. And again, like I said, cry all you want. No preseason, no training camp, fine. But you get two more weeks to use that. And then, like I said, you're done. You're done. And the Monday night matchups, I thought thought the Tennessee Titans... Denver Bronco game was good. It was competitive. It was competitive for sure. Uh, Steelers definitely can still beat the heck out of a lot of the better team, a lot of the the worst teams in the league. I will give it to Daniel Jones, though. He put on a show. He put on a show. I just wish we would have seen a lot more come from Saquon Barkley. I don't think Joe Judge knows what he's doing still. I think he did a bad coaching job. I don't think he's going to do a good job at coaching. I think the Giants made the wrong call trying to go back into the coaching tree of Bill Belichick to try and find their next head coach. Overall, I would say this NFL first season, a B, B plus for the start of the year. There were some good games in here. Oh, and by the way, uh, give it up for Jacksonville, ladies and gents, for being one of those other teams that came with a huge setup or upset, excuse me, setup upset you know Philip Rivers threw that ball 46 times he's never done that uh had some bad picks Jacksonville Gardner Minshew 19 of 20 for three three touchdowns only 173 yards but look no quarterback had a really big big day right no quarterback had a really big day now here's what I will say Tom Brady first year as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer not the best 23 of 36 239 yards two touchdowns two interceptions that went back for touchdowns um yeah not good not not good well one of them went back for a touchdown Janoris Jenkins took it back Uh, uh, you know I I again No preseason, no training camp. Okay, fine. But you have an elite receiving core around you, in my opinion. An offensive line that's eh. A defense that I think is eh. And a running game that's eh. I just don't, you know, I would think Tom would be able to overcome that a little bit better, being the consummate veteran that he is. But again... New team, new system, new coach, new style, new state, new everything, right? Still trying to learn the system. So I won't give it to Tom Brady too hard, but I will say this. I I, I will say this for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's promise. There's a lot of promise. Even with Tom's two interceptions... Brady still looked like a consummate leader out there at quarterback. But we have to remember, he is 43 years old. And look, Drew Brees did not look any better. I will fully commit. Drew Brees did not look any better. Michael Thomas completely butchered me because I have him on both of my fantasy teams, unfortunately. So, and now he's out with an injury. But look, I, I fully contend to the idea that Tom was probably not as prepared for this game. Tom Brady was not as prepared for this game as we all want to believe. That's fine. Okay, that's fine. Tampa still has a good shot at maybe being in the playoffs, still being a good team. I just don't think it's going to happen because I don't think the defense is there yet. I think the running game is going to kill them because you're going to force Tom Brady to throw the ball 40, 50 times again. And I just don't think at 43 years old, he's going to be wanting to do that on a consistent basis. Okay? But, look, I say this again. Overall, I give this NFL first week 
I give it a BB plus. Yeah, there were some good games in here. There, there were some upsets. There were some ones. I know I didn't go over every single game. I went over a lot of them because there were some surprises. I mean, the Bills, there was no surprise there. Yeah, I, I could go through the rest of the Bills, no surprise there, right? No surprise there. Niners, Cardinals, uh, good game, good battle. Jimmy Garoppolo versus Kyler Murray, that was great. Uh, Kyler definitely looks like he loves having DeAndre Hopkins. By the way, Hopkins had more completions than the entire Texans team, according to many people out there that have been posting that meme. So I think it's obvious that Deshaun Watson maybe misses his quarterback, his wide receiver for sure. Uh, and then, you know, I, I mean, most of these games, there was good and bad. Obviously, Packers, Vikings. If anything came out of that, Rodgers just showed everybody why he's still Aaron Rodgers, but the Vikings also showed that their defense just took major hits without having Everson Griffin and even getting Nagakwi on the defensive line. They still need extra added bonus to the defensive backs. They don't have anybody that can cover those receivers. It's going to be a nightmarish situation for the Devon, for anybody who's facing that team, and you don't have a proper corner to cover Devontae Adams, okay? And those are the all, all the NFL teams, okay? So if you wanted to get all those things, by all means, you can analyze that. Overall, I give it a BB plus. Sorry, I needed a sip there. But look, overall, <coughs> I give this first week, again, BB plus. I think week two is going to be better. I'll get into week two sometime later, but... Yeah, overall, I I was pretty impressed. I was pretty impressed with what I had to see. All right. Now, I want to get into some stuff for the NBA, okay? I want to get into some NBA stuff because, obviously, the playoffs are underway. We already have the Eastern Conference Finals. Their first game has already been played. They play their second game today. Um, Western Conference has finally been decided, and I want to get into that one, certainly. I was convinced, as I'm sure we all were, that the Clippers were a franchise that was going to win the NBA title or at least be considered potential NBA champions, right? I mean, who would blame us? Who in their right mind would blame any of us for thinking that? I I mean, seriously. The Clippers looked like they were the consummate team that was built for the playoffs. They looked like the team that you said, this is not, they're not going to win. They're going to win games in the regular season, but it's all about get to the playoffs, and be competitive in the playoffs, and that's what counts. Kawhi's made that very apparent with the way that he uses himself and says, I need days off, right? The Nuggets have been a team that I have said for the past two, three years now, they're looking good, and they're coming. The development of Nikola Jokic the insane scoring ability that Jamal Murray has, all of that combined together with a fairly young and strong team for what they are came together at the right moment and went to upset City against the Los Angeles Clippers in Game 7. And who could who could blame them? Honestly, who could blame them? Right? And obviously the big story on this is oh the Clippers choked. They choked, they choked, they choked. That's all I've been hearing from everybody on television, everybody on, you know, the internets and stuff, Uh, you know, left and right, up and down, that's all I've been hearing, it's all about the Clippers and how they choked, how they, they choked, they they couldn't finish the game, 
Can we give a little respect to the Nuggets? Like, dude, the Jamal Murray scored 40 points in that game. They played really good defense, by the way, against the Clippers. Like, Jokic was getting in the face of Kawhi Leonard. They were trying to make sure Paul George couldn't get off his shot. They couldn't get any catch-and-shoot situations. They were playing very technically sound basketball. Okay? Kawhi only had 14 points. Paul George only had 10. Jamal Murray had more points than both of them combined the star players. Bev had 11. Harrell had 20. Green had 11. Williams only had 7. Sometimes it's just not your night. And look, I was fairly confident in the Clippers, as were a lot of people. But there were a few things that I don't think people talked about that you had to take into consideration. One is, it's a brand new team that got slapped together pretty quickly. And we all thought, because Doc Rivers is the good coach he is, I think we all believed that he would somehow find a way to bond this team together through a lack of experience and communication and chemistry that has been kind of his thing when he goes to teams it was his thing when he went to Orlando it was certainly his thing when he went to Boston and when he came to Los Angeles when he came to the Clippers the LA Clippers that was his big sell I can get Chris Paul Blake Griffin DeAndre Jordan and all these other guys they got I can get them to all rally around me and have good chemistry and become a team that can possibly go and win a championship. That was one of the big selling points I had for why I thought the Clippers could maybe be one of those teams that competes and plays and wins the NBA championship. But whilst I said that, I also understood that that could also be a problem. Kawhi's not a let's go out and hang out kind of guy, it seems. Paul George seems to be a guy that loves to do that. Pat Beverly seems to be a guy that likes to do that. Lou Williams definitely seems like a guy that wants to do that. Kawhi. Kawhi doesn't come off to me as that kind of guy. He likes his solitude. He likes kind of silence. He likes quiet. He kind of he fits that situation of San Antonio and Toronto. LA is kind of a different story. And I know they're in Orlando, but... Being that they are a team based in L.A., there's kind of more of a be out and about vibe, and it's kind of more of like a chill vibe, but at the same time, you're expected to be out in the sun, you you be nice to people in public and stuff, right? I mean, and, and look, I don't live in California, I can't speak for that, but I just, I get a feeling that in Los Angeles itself, it's more of a lively kind of feeling then it certainly would be with, say, Toronto or San Antonio, where I think there's more of a laid-back, keep-it-quiet-you-can-hide sort of vibe. L.A. is a little bit of a different story. L.A., it's kind of out in the public. But to those that are saying Kawhi and the Clippers choked, give some love to Denver. Give some love to Denver. For God's sakes, this is their second three, three in one comeback. They're the first team in NBA history with the most double-digit deficit comebacks in NBA playoffs. They're also the team that has the only team in NBA history who ever has come back down three games to one in two different series. They're in the Western Conference Finals for a reason. They're a really good team. Jamal Murray, I Jamal Murray is a consummate shooter and emerging as one of the best shooters I think in the game right here now through the playoffs. Jokic I think is a top 20 player in the league. If you're not making that argument by now, you're crazy. You can make the argument he's top 15 possibly. 
the best big man with the best handles and the best passing ability. And not only that, he can jump, jump up and block the shot. He can hit a jumper. He can shoot a three. He can dunk it. He can do multiple things with that ball. He is such a well-rounded center. Doc Rivers said it best. Best passing big man I've ever seen in the history. And the guy who a lot of people say is the best passing big man, his son's on the Pacers, and he's considered one of the best passing big men in the league right now too. I I like Denver. But obviously a lot of people are now saying... LeBron's going to do it. He's going to the finals. He's getting another ring. Hold on. Did you think the Clippers were better than the Lakers? Oh, yeah. Denver just beat the Clippers. Oh, yeah. Okay, so if Denver just beat the Clippers and you think the Clippers are better than the Lakers, then doesn't that mean Denver should beat the Lakers? What? Yeah, exactly. See... I'm not saying it's going to happen. I still think it's a young team. They're going up against the best player in the world, one of the best players in the world. And you have to play great basketball against this Laker team, okay? Great basketball. And I don't know if Denver's got that ability to do so. But if you beat the Clippers, who are better than the Lakers then I think you have earned the right to then say, okay, then I guess we should beat the Lakers then. If the Clippers are better than the Lakers and the Nuggets just beat the Clippers, then the Nuggets should beat the Lakers. That's just, that's the way I see it. I think a lot of people can understand if that's the way you see it. And look, I don't think it's without reason, right? They came back 3-1 to one and won, won again for the second time against a really good Clippers team with Kawhi and Paul George and Pat Beverly and Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell and Marcus Morris Sr. A loaded team. Of talent. They've done this twice. Who says when the Lakers have them down 3 1 that Denver doesn't find a way to pull it out again? Three times in a row to go to the NBA Finals and play either the Raptors, Raptors, Celtics, or the Heat. Does Denver win an NBA title then? They had the better route. They played the better teams. By my account, they would be the best team playing then. That That's just me, though. I don't know. Denver is a really interesting team right now. I think they just showed that they have arrived on the scene. They're, they're, they've made their marks, right? It's okay, we were a good team, now we're winning games. Now we're in the playoffs. Okay, we lose in round one, we go to round two, lose in round two. Okay, now we win round one, we win round two, we're in the Western Conference Finals. They've made those marks. The next logical mark is to make it to the NBA Finals. Now, whether that's this year or next year, I can't tell you. But it's coming. I have already told this to a good friend of mine, but I said, I bet anything. Denver can come out of this whole scenario winning at least one championship. One. The Nuggets should be able to get one NBA title. This team's built for it. This team has that that mustard. They, they have that talent. I mean, hell, I'm not the highest on Michael Porter Jr., but if that kid becomes anything that he was supposed to even half of what he was supposed to this team should be able to win 50 games again go to the playoffs win the western conference final and go win an nba championship at some point in the next three to five years 
starting this year. Their title window is opening up right now. It'll only close when one of those two big guys they have right now, Jamal Murray or Jokic, get hurt and or leave. That's the only way this closes. I like Denver. I know the Lakers are good. I know LeBron has had sort of an easy break getting a tired Trailblazers team and a pretty beaten up and tired Houston Rockets team. But those guys were kind of on the older side. Denver's young. Denver's young and energetic. They got a lot working for them. It'll be interesting. It'll be really interesting to see. On the other side of it, obviously, though, is the Celtics and the Celtics and the Raptors. Uh, they battled it out, obviously, and Celtics came out on top. So in the Eastern Conference Finals, it is Boston versus Miami. They played game one. On the 15th. And lo and behold, when Denver was announced as the winners to go to the Western Conference Finals against the Clippers, Miami won in overtime against Boston after a great block by Bam Adebayo when Jason Tatum was about to hit a very nasty dunk on the Miami Heat. Adebayo came with a really great dunk, and I will say this. That was a really, really good game. That was a really good game. Drogic had 29. Jason Tatum had 30. Smart had 26. Walker had 19. Brown had 17. I mean, what else can you say for the Celtics? Even their guy, Wanamaker, never heard of him, had 11. Right? But Miami, Crowder had 22, Butler had 20, Adebayo had 18, Hero had his usual 12, and Hero hit, once again, he hit some big shots. I don't know what it is, man. Miami, Boston, two young teams in their own right, coming into what I would have to say is sort of their basketball primes where they are going to be super competitive for the next couple years coming. Like, Jimmy Butler is working in Miami. The team game works in Miami with Spoelstra. I said this before. I like Spoelstra and the team game they play in Miami. But here's the thing. Brad Stevens is the same way in Boston. They know they have their Michael Jordan-esque player in Jason Tatum. Like how Miami knows they have their Michael Jordan-esque player in Jimmy Butler. However, they both run systems very, not similar to each other, but in a way they are because of how they work to get get the ball to the open man. That's why Smart has 26 points and why Drogic and Crowder and Adebayo have more than 15 points each. And that's why Tyler Hero comes in and hits big big three-pointers and comes out with 12 points when he hits big shots. That's why this works. That's why this works. That's why this is a really good game. And if you think that kind of stuff is boring, okay, fine. But it's old school mixed with new school. These guys are super talented. They know how good they are, but they also know. Look, here in Boston, we run through one guy. It's Jason Tatum. We don't have any arguments on that. We know he's the guy that's going to carry us and help us either win or lose. Miami is the same way. Look, we know Jimmy Butler's the guy, but if we don't play the team game, we're not going to make this happen. Both teams know it's Tatum. It's Butler, but it's so much more than that. They are one part of an extension of a giant team where they have playmakers all over the place. The difference is, I feel like Miami's bench is a little bit more solid than what Boston's is. I like Boston's bench, but 
Boston's bench is still a little young in some points. And the veterans they do have are not specifically anything groundbreaking. Miami has guys that come off the bench. They play defense. They score points. They put they put up big numbers, right? They stick with their starters for the most part. But they know we can always go to the bench. Tyler Hero comes off the bench. And, but reality at this point now, he's a starter because he's playing 40 minutes a game. He played 40 minutes in the first game. I mean, I like Duncan Robinson. The guy's a really good defensive guy who can hit some big shots when he can. But Tyler Hero is certainly more of the guy. He's certainly more of the guy. But all in all, I, I mean, this is a really good series. I don't know who's going to win it. I'm a big Jason Tatum fan now, which is weird because I'm a Duke fan. Psych. Not a Duke fan. I'm a UNC fan. That's why it's really weird. But I like Jason Tatum. I like him as a player. I think he is one of the next stars in the league. I think next year we can start saying, yeah, he's a top 10 player. He's a top 10 player in the league. He plays like it. I think he should be somebody that the name starts to come up and say, regular season MVP. He's certainly, if they go to the finals, he's certainly going to probably be finals MVP. He's definitely going to be one of the names that you have to talk about in that regard. I don't know. I, I This is going to be a great series. I can't wait to see how much farther they go into this. I'm really intrigued to see how much farther they can go with this. I think there's a lot that you can do here. There's a lot you can work with on this level. I'm really intrigued to see what happens next. We'll find out. We'll find out. I, I'm game. Game two is tonight. Game two is tonight, and we'll probably have some sort of a preview for that one. It's gonna be very interesting. Gonna be very, very interesting. All right. So I'll end everything off with this. I, you know, I, I there's some news out there, obviously, of uh, you know, so some of the stuff, and I, you know, a lot of NBA talk, obviously, but the NBA has a lot of stories in it. Uh, Bradley Beal was left off the All NBA team. A lot of people have been talking about that. He's the first player to ever score 30 points and have six assists to not make the All-NBA team. The All-NBA team was announced. Obviously, there were some guys on there that some people are suspect about. They're not really sure why they're there. But at the same time, I get it. I understand it. They're putting the names on there. They're putting the stats up there. All that kind of stuff makes a big difference, okay? Not going to really deny it. I think a lot of people can understand it. However... I do want it understood that when it comes to Bradley Beal, I think he's maybe one of the most underrated players in the NBA. And I think we can all agree that it's time for him to get out of Washington. All right? Well, like when, when the Wizards drafted him, I think everybody thought, him oh, man, him and John Wall best backcourt you could possibly have right John Wall was supposed to be the consummate point guard that drives can shoot threes can do everything dish out assists Bradley Beal is supposed to be the catch and shoot shooting guard that puts up 25 points a game hits a bunch of threes right he makes the big difference in the score when it matters and that was supposed to be the deal it was supposed to be John Wall's the Michael Jordan his Scotty Pippen is Bradley Beal, but as we saw, John Wall took forever to finally get his footing going. He started to get hurt constantly, and Bradley Beal had to pick up the pace. And Bradley Beal's become a better player, I think, because of it, but at the same time, it's kind of the same thing I say for Levine and even for Giannis and for other guys who are single star players on bad teams, they look good because they don't have anybody else helping them. And they can somehow carry teams maybe a little while, 
But overall, it's not going to be a long-term effect. And while I don't think Bradley Beal might be a number one guy perchance, I, I don't really know if I can say that. I do think Bradley Beal should be looked at as somebody that could possibly be a good Scottie Pippen type player. And I also will say this though, but if there's a chance that he's maybe a Michael Jordan type player or a LeBron or whatever, a franchise type player, I think there is a good chance you can possibly build around him still because, look, right now in Chicago, we have a guy named Zach Levine for the Bulls. And while I think Zach Levine's been good for the Bulls in the time he's been here, I would still trade him in a heartbeat. And if you said Bradley Beal for Zach Levine, I'd say yes, in a heartbeat, yes. And some people would probably say, well, why? Bradley Beal's a better shooter. Bradley Beal's a better defender. He's a better playmaker. He's a better team guy. He's a better, closer to a number one guy. He's not a number one guy. I would say he's Scottie Pippen. But Zach Levine's not Scottie Pippen. Zach Levine's not a number two. He's a number three, four player on the team. I said this before. When he was in Minnesota, he was the number three guy behind Andrew Wiggins, who's turned out to be kind of just a shoot-around kind of guy, and Carl Anthony Towns, who's a franchise player. I would do that trade. Now, I said I would trade this first-round pick. A lot of people kind of came at me about that. The reason I said that is because I don't think this draft is going to be very strong, and I'll explain that in a future podcast here soon. So I said, okay, Levine, Laurie, Hutchinson, Valentine, one or both for Briel and whatever else junk they throw in. I think that'd be fair. I think Bradley Beal coming to Chicago would be good. I'm not saying he would, I mean, he would be the number one guy by default, but I feel like Bradley Beal would fit better with Chicago He'd fit better with the system we're trying to do. Obviously, we don't know who the coach is yet, but I feel better knowing Bradley Beal's here because he's a guy that picks people up. I don't think Levine is that kind of guy that you can build around. He picks people up, but I just don't feel like he's a guy you can build with. He's a guy you can build around. I look at Levine and I say, he's a flashy player who dunks the ball nice, and every now and then he hits a big shot. That's all he is. He's a nice little prize player. He's not a guy that you win championships with. Bradley Beal is a player that you can win championships with. Both are, I think, 27, 26, 27. I'd make that trade in a heartbeat. The Bulls are rebuilding, and I know Bradley Beal probably doesn't want to rebuild. He wants to go for a title. But food for thought, if Billy Donovan does come to Chicago, Billy Donovan did coach... Did coach this kid, Bradley Beal, in Florida. Maybe give it some thought. Maybe give it some thought. He's a hell of a player. I think he'd fit well in the system. Kobe White would have a field day assisting that kid, that guy. And I'm sure Bradley Beal would love to work with a kid like Kobe White, who's healthy and fast. I'd love Bradley Beal to be on the Bulls. I would love that. I think that would be great. Chicago, get on that. Bradley Beal, I mean, and if he's not going to Chicago, though, he's going to a championship team. And I'll say this. Milwaukee, you want to keep Giannis? Maybe call Washington and talk about a trade. Because Middleton's not going to get it done. All right, folks. I'm going to get out of here. I hope you all have really enjoyed this. If you obviously want to follow me, I am on Twitter, at least for the time being, because I know Twitter is pretty toxic and I might be getting off of there. Who knows? But you can follow me right now at the fluffy guru on Twitter. I'm more active though on Instagram. So follow me at boom crew captain on Instagram as well. Uh, if you guys want to check out any more of the live show stuff that I do, it is at facebook.com slash team X bomb sports. You guys can also find it at X bomb sports on fa- Twitter and on Instagram as well. So follow me there, please. Check out all my other stuff. Listen to these other past episodes. I really do appreciate it. Thank you guys all so much for watching, for listening, whatever it is you might be doing. Uh, I love you guys all. Much love. Peace out. I'm gone.